Hello and welcome to the Phoenix Surveillance Podcast. You're listening to episode 10, and we'll call this one AI and the Fourth Industrial Revolution. We have a special guest joining us this episode, Brian Caldwell, who's an expert on this topic. So I think you guys will really enjoy this intriguing and fascinating discussion. So let's get to it. All right, now we're here with Brian Colwell. How's it going, Brian? Very good. Thank you very much. Yeah, so we're going to talk about robots and AI and all kinds of good stuff. But before we start, do you want to just give a little introduction to yourself, um, what you do and that kind of thing? Sure. Yep. So uh, I am a uh, industry 4.0 or fourth industrial revolution uh, researcher and influencer and also a uh, social media influencer in the areas surrounding the fourth industrial revolution and the things we're talking about today uh, including robotics ai drones all that sort of cool tech stuff that all falls under industry 4.0 awesome okay do you want to give us a little definition about industry 4.0 yeah i sure can so the what we're now entering into is called the fourth industrial revolution. So there was all this hype about the end of the world coming in 2012. And some people think that it kind of was not the end of the world, but instead the start of a new era, the fourth industrial revolution. So what I'll do first before going there is talk just briefly about the first, second and third industrial revolutions. Yeah, so the first, yeah. So then that way we have a little bit of background because my whole, my whole, um, my whole investment thesis, I'm, I'm primarily an investor and I focus a lot on fintech and AI and ag tech. And uh, my whole entire investment thesis is focusing on the, the space where technology innovation yields industrial disruption, which ultimately leads to un, uh, economic unrest and warfare. And we've seen that repeated time and time again in all the other industrial revolutions. So in the first industrial revolution, which was like the late 18th uh, to early 19th century, the primary innovation that we associate with that era is steam power and the steamboat, the spinning jetty, jenny, the uh, cotton gin and railroads. So this was the uh, infrastructure for the United States. And uh, interestingly, though, the first industrial revolution didn't start in the United States. It actually started in Europe. So then steel came over into the U.S. and U.S. went gangbusters with it. Industrial disruptions um, occurred as new forms of manufacturing activities emerged. So for the first time, we have substitution of animal and human labor via mechanization. So that's kind of where it's not ro- it's not robots, but it's we start to feel uh, like we start to feel robotics via steam power. Hemp gets replaced by cotton. The petroleum industry gets totally uh, revolutionized, and there's a massive expansion of newspaper and popular book publishing. So transportation changed forever with the railroads. So ultimately, this all led to economic unrest with industrial cities rising that were focused on uh, steel or an industrial city focused on textiles or tools. So as, uh, as society expanded... We ended up shifting from uh, a a rural society to a totally urban society. So we ended up with about 40% of deaths among the urban working class uh, from tuberculosis. And all this unrest ultimately led to the Civil War. Wow, that was a pretty... dramatic event for us so okay so so as we go into the second we can't really draw any correlations unless we look at the other industrial revolutions we look at the second industrial revolution and we say well is it different and the answer is no in this case the the second industrial revolution which was like the late 19th to mid 20th century 
It's called the age of invention. This is the big uh, industrial revolution in the United States where we have electricity, traffic lights, and dynamite, and the telephone, and the light bulb, and the typewriter, and the elevator, all these amazing inventions. Um, but, of course, with tech innovation, we yield industrial disruption. So the second industrial revolution, um, new technologies yielded these massive disruptions in communications, more transportation disruptions, and industrial production. So we have mass production, economies of scale, and we have assembly lines. This is where we have the car. So we have continued growth of specialization and inter uh, interdependence of manufacturing as cities become more and more specialized, which then ultimately led to more disruption. We again start shifting from rural into uh, an urban society. We get the first transcontinental railroad. So what this led to was the creation for the first time of the American middle class. This is really exciting. You think that's, that's great. We have the American middle class, but also for the first time, we have when women entering the workforce. Child labor becomes a major issue. Labor unions are formed because of unsafe work conditions. So there's all these massive um, but unstable economic growth leading to the Great Depression. So what, what happens with that? Well, we all know that ultimately the Great Depression leads to World War One and World War Two and all kinds of global warfare. Whatnot. So we can start to see that economic unrest yielding war, it's not really an issue with the tech innovation. It's an issue with humans being humans. It's really what it starts to look like, right? Mm -hmm. But so then let's look at the third industrial revolution and see if we can draw some similar analogies. Because the third industrial revolution, we, we came out of recently, it's the second half of the 20th century, where it's the introduction of IT technologies. It's where we have globalization. So right away, globalization, we can look at as a major disruption. So IT technology is the integrated circuit, the digital revolution. We get the internet for the first time. Wow, we're so excited about automation and logistics and transportation improvements. And we're really excited about minimizing uh, in input costs and, and employee costs as we, uh, especially related to, to labor, as we, as globalization takes effect and we outsource all of our labor to countries that are much cheaper. So, wow, okay, all this innovation leads to massive economic disruption. Automation increases productivity while at the same time lowering the need for direct human labor costs. So this is where we start to see the first time where automation and robotics starts to lead to a replacement of the human workforce. So these are the historical points that people draw on for looking at where the fourth industrial revolution is going to lead us with uh, unemployment via automation. So the uh, third industrial revolution completely destroyed the American middle class, though. So it created this huge divide between a skilled and wealthy few that just got richer and richer and then the, the rest of society. So incomes fell, families were no longer able to support their, their families, um, uh, their, their children and families on one income. So women are forced to go to work. Um, the, the U.S. becomes a nation of renters rather than owners. So it's this whole demographic and cultural shift in the United States that happens via the third industrial revolution. So it creates this real concern for future growth prospects for the, uh, for the, for the U.S. as we start to see our technology um, outsourced or uh, not only outsourced but but shipped off to other countries for the benefit of huge corporations. And it's, it starts, we start to see the huge corporations become the major political forces all over the world rather than the sovereign nations. So 
China enters its own industrial revolution as we come out of the third industrial revolution. So this is pretty exciting stuff. Uh-oh, we have more war. What happens with the third industrial revolution? War in the Middle East, the war against terror. And uh, I know we don't technically call it a war, but we all know it's a war. So now, so now I, I'm ready to talk about the fourth industrial revolution. This is what we're really here to talk about today. Mm -hmm. But I just want to make sure we're totally aware of the fact that as we talk about tech innovation, we have to realize that it's the industrial disruptions that come from the innovations that we need to focus on. And especially with my focus being on investments, everybody gets excited talking about where, where AI is going and where blockchain is going and fintech and mm -hmm. robots and farming, right? Everybody's very excited about this, but we fail to think about what the, what the disruptions are going to be and what the long-term outcome of that disruption is going to be. So in my writing and in, when I, in my talks, my, my goal is really to try to educate people on the fact that they need to constantly reskill themselves and prepare themselves in advance of this disruption so that we stay relevant and our skills are relevant in this next economy. Um, and I'm, a, I'm a, actually an example of this. My background's in financial services, and as the robos gain popularity, and as financial services have become more and more automated via um, algorith algorithmic trading, um, my skills started to become more and more irrelevant. So I had, in the last couple of years, reskill. I found social media as a great way to uh, extend and amplify my point of view, and then that's why we're here today. So... Um, just briefly on the fourth industrial revolution, when we start talking about tech innovations, like we said, artificial intelligence, machine learning, IoT drones, biotech and nanoparticles. These are huge keywords everybody gets excited about, but we've already seen industrial disruptions coming, for example, in the agricultural sector where we see Bayer and Monsanto having to merge or Dow Chemical and Syngenta having to merge. These are going to have huge, these mergers are going to have huge long lasting effects for the entire agri-food industry globally and if we're impacting our food i can pretty much guarantee we're going to have some sort of economic disruption coming out of that so that's my that's my that's my long-winded <laughs> detail on the uh first second third and fourth industrial revolutions but really when we start talking about what these tech innovations are the sky's the limit for what the disruptions are going to be and that's because of the adoption of these innovations these innovations used to not be so cool it took a long time for people to adopt um air flight and the tv but the iphone and snapchat those get adopted instantly so we just need to keep in mind that the, that the way technology expands over the next 10 years 10 years and the way it gets adopted over the next 10 years is going to be uh ab about the same as it was over the last 10 decades i think is what analysts are uh referring so it's it's gonna you just we just we need to make sure that we're reskilling, staying ahead of the disruption, and we understand where the technology is going to be going. So so what's your next question? Because we have all kinds of things to talk about. <laughs> I know robots. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Um, so go ahead. So you kind of talked about um, was it it was the second industrial re revolution where it started getting automated. Um, sure. Is that where you would consider like the first robots? Well, not really. Um, so, so it's, well, historically, the first robot is r like right around 400 or 300 BC. Um, and we had Aristotle talking about robotics in the 300 BCs. Um, the, uh, it, it wasn't until the like the 15, 1600s that we have like the first official robot. But, it, but none of this stuff was really exciting. It was more like, 
Um, we had a, a water-powered clock back in 1400 BC, so that was the first robotic device. So gotcha. that kind of stuff. But it, but but it wasn't really useful. It wasn't exciting like now. And that's that's the difference between then and now is that it took us, for example, in the case of artificial intelligence, it took us about a thousand years from the first robot technically the first robot, to even the first thought of artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. So just keep that in mind, too. It's, and as we look at the first robots, I would say uh, for us, like the modern era robotics, that really gets exciting now in the fourth industrial revolution, because this is where we have drones and robotics that are teaching themselves and learning for themselves mm -hmm. and actually able to contribute skills and energy that we need to expand our society. It's just a totally different era now for robotics, drones, and AI. It all is coming together. Interesting. Okay, so since we're a security company, like I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about how robot robotics and AI is relating to that field. And so I saw some really cool examples of that at ISC West. So Let's just talk about drones first for a little bit. Um, sure. How do you see drones fitting into like the security field and helping out in that regard? Sure. So in, that, in the case of drones, we'd be talking about physical, not cybersecurity. So in the case of drones, I, I see drones being a massive disruptive force for all industries, not just cybersecurity. Oh, no, I'm sorry, not just security. But in the case of security, for sure, for uh, aerospace and defense, drones are going to be massively important for observing borders, gas pipelines, uh, infrastructure is going to be really important to maintain. And then also we look at drones for security, not just um, all over the United States, but also in space for security. Um, it, it, it's it's open to your imagination for where the disruptions are going to go. A lot of times people think about drones as being uh, large security devices, but there's a lot of movement to nano, uh, nano drones and drones that will be injected into your body and drones that are going to be used for firefighting and for police enforcement that will be very small and able to self-replicate via 3D printing. So it should be a really interesting security potentially dystopian situation depending on how much control we have over those drones and robotics and that really becomes a situation when you start having ai and uh, machine learning come into making decisions about human life so kind of like irobot yeah i mean it, you know <laughs> it's it's really funny to think about these movies over the last 40 years or 30 years or whatever right. being so, being so right on everybody visualizes a dystopian future from ai and robotics and it's because again we look at humanity it doesn't have to be that way if we we don't have to keep eating cows but we know cows are a major issue for climate and for methane but we know as people become more and more wealthy they want to eat beef so people in china want beef people in in asia all over they want poultry and beef and organic soybeans so all this has an impact on our climate people aren't going to be different we could have sustainable proteins we could have totally we could totally run on solar power too if we wanted but it's not going to happen because people like to flip a switch and have instant power and instant water so it, human beings aren't going to change so i just don't see how it could be anything other than dystopian interesting so uh let's talk a little bit about ground robotics and vehicles then so like um one really interesting one was night scope um are you familiar with their security robots 
No, I, I'm not. But ground robots are. I've been looking at a few, um, like Kratos and a few other companies that have some interesting ground mm-hmm. robots. Um, U.S. is way behind on ground robotics. Honestly, China is pretty much leading in that field, and it's uh, they're going to have a pretty much lithium-run robotic army by the time we get to our next war. So, wow. it, ho- hopefully, we won't have to go there. But uh, and Russia has some pretty interesting security robots too that are fully weaponized that they're planning for their uh, basically tank and infantry replacements. So the U.S. is really far behind on all this stuff, wow. and I'm excited to see where we go in the next few years. I know the U.S. is primarily focusing uh, right now on things like AI and cybersecurity, so like cognitive cybersecurity and things like that to keep all the hacking out. But we just need to remember also that. But that robotics and drones create huge security risks as the Internet of Things becomes a bigger issue and as devices become more and more connected. Mm-hmm. That's like a whole nother topic, the Internet of Things. <laughs> well, it's all, you know, if you really if we really look at it, the Internet of Things is like a key word for it's like a it's like a catch all phrase for yeah. everything. That's that's this technology. That's true. It's all connected. You know, cause, Literally. Yeah. It's all, <laughs> it's just a connection because the, in the third industrial revolution, we had AI. It just wasn't useful. Mm-hmm. We had big data. It just wasn't useful. We weren't able to bring it, bring it all together until the last five years or so that it really started to come together to become, uh, to become useful for decision making beyond just human input. And now we start to see companies like IBM starting to monetize Watson and other AI and uh, mm-hmm. blockchain platforms. Interesting. Okay, so let's talk about some of the benefits, um, like specifically with the with the security field. You, I know they were saying some of them, you know, like um, can be put in dangerous situ- situations or different things like that. Um, do you have any yeah, thoughts for, on that? Yeah, so we're, yeah, so robots get used, you mean like robots specifically? Yeah, yeah. they... Yeah, they get used for like clearing out nuclear waste and things like that. They'll be getting, they'll be put in all kinds of dangerous situations um, in lieu of human life. That that's a for sure. Um, you know, it's just I don't I don't know where all this is going to go. I just keep thinking like Wall-E with all the big <laughs> fat people floating around in their little chairs and the robots do everything for them. I just. <laughs> I just don't see where else it's going to go as, as as robots take over, drones and AI take over, and humans want free time to do what they want to do. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that that movie was very insightful. <laughs> it, it, it actually, as a, and I know it's a cartoon and it's kind of funny, but it actually impacted me because that yeah. was right around the time I started looking into the fourth industrial revolution, these coming disruptions, and I thought, well, how, how accurate, how real is that? And... It's, I don't know, it's pretty, pretty real stuff. I mean, obviously, besides the space travel, we're trying to get there. We're way far behind on all that, right? But but human beings, we're at the height of our laziness, for sure. And at that, that comes at, a, at the time when tech innovation is at its height. So I can see all kinds of economic disruption coming just from the, la- just from the lack of human beings wanting to participate in the workforce. Wow, that's really the, the, interesting. The rise of uh, basic income, right? Yep. Very cool. I need to go back and watch Wally again. <laughs> I want to also. Yeah. I know. Okay, so let's talk about some of or talk more. We've already discussed it a little bit, but um, the disadvantages, obviously, like the robots taking over, right? That's one major disadvantage. 
<laughs> right. So, so what? So, and it's not that like robots by themselves are an issue. It's as we, it's as we, it's as we input the decision making process. We give them the ability to make the decisions on their own, the, and we give them the ability to learn via AI. AI is already teaching itself, and AI is already teaching other AI in self learning, and it that's that's where it starts to become the issue it's it's not because we've had robots for a long time robots have accidentally killed people but we we could actually have robots now making the decision to kill somebody because it saves another person's life so what happens when we start to input philosophy into the 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 robotic ai brain that's where it starts to become really interesting and i don't and I don't know what the what the outcome of that is. I know Google is apparently working on an AI kill switch, but at the same time, I know that um, we're very far behind on inputting any kind of protective measures against self-learning AI because we've gotten to the point where we just want to push the innovation. So we go there and we we do it, and now Google's released its all AI uh, platform. Its its deep learning computer is super smart. But I don't know if that's necessarily the best thing. So, and I think Stephen Hawking just said we're not even going to be alive in a hundred years. So that's pretty much how that's going to go. Wow. So, so I mean, we look at all these major physicists and and people and influencers that and, and futurists that really have been involved in this stuff not now but for a long, long time, and they're all saying the same thing. We have a we have AI reaching human level intelligence in the next. Uh, 10, 15 years or whatever it is, we have the singularity occurring in the next 40 years or whatever it is, depending on who you talk to. And then humanity's pretty much dead by like 2100. Wow, that's crazy. That's exciting stuff, right? So, and it, and it doesn't have to be that way. Again, it doesn't have to be, but mm-hmm. humans aren't going to stop making weapons. We're not going to stop hurting each other and we're not going to stop taking advantage of each other on a global scale. Interesting. So do, or is it possible for, to make a robot have a soul? That's the question, right? And right. so that's, that's where the, the, the whole uh, neural network and cognitive uh, part comes into play. The, the, the thought would be that the, it won't be able to have that kind of processing power until it does reach a singularity where it's, where it's surpassed the human's ability, the human brain's ability to process data and information. So that I keep thinking of in that case, like Star Trek, where you had data and he's like, yeah, I'm a total nerd about this stuff and always have (laughs) been. So is it possible for for a a robot to have a soul? You know, no. But is is a robot going to have rights? I bet so. I bet they're going to be at some point be considered citizens and have rights so that human beings can't abuse them because, again, we're human beings and that's what we do. Yeah. I was thinking of the doctor from Voyager too. He was the hollow program. Yeah, was, right. That was kind of like a main theme going um, towards the end of the series was him right. with his rights and very interesting stuff. Yeah, and VR where that's going to be coming in. That's the Star Trek was really ahead of his time in terms of VR and how that was all going to work out too. And we're already using virtual reality for military training um, and for weapons training. It the next five ten years. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be totally honest with you. I just sold my condo. I got an RV, and I'm ready to just go wherever I need to go to avoid whatever is going to be coming over the next 10 years. Wow. Yeah, it's a scary world out there. It seems like it's just getting stranger and scarier each day. 
Yeah, and it, and the thing is that you're feeling that at an at a time when all of this just started. So the Internet of Things, the connectivity of devices, it just started. I think I was reading an article that said there's something like 8,000 weak spots in the security of a pacemaker, wow. something like that. So it's just scary. All kinds of articles are coming out. The next security risk is your microwave. The next security risk is your refrigerator. It. We all want the convenience of being in the shop on Amazon, but we don't want to to expose ourselves to cyber risk at the same time. Right. But at the same time, but at the same time, it's our own fault. We're so exposed. So <laughs> that's crazy. So, 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 so go figure. So here I am talking to you in my RV on my on my tablet, hanging out, working from my RV, ready awesome. to just. Move off to Texas, grab a gun, and and all up wars over. <laughs> so, uh, this kind of is a tangent, but did you ever watch the TV show Revolution, where I might, where I all the power remember. went out, like in the whole? Well, I don't know if it was. I did world. watch that. Yeah, that like that. This kind of reminded me of that, like, <laughs> like they didn't, they lost everything, and then like you were saying, you need to have the skills in case something like that happens. Right, and I'm not I'm not a doomsday prepper. I mean, ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, when the when when it goes bad, it's going to be really bad, right? But but we have to we have to just prepare ourselves and be honest with the fact that it is this, we're at the scariest time in in the history of mankind, and it doesn't seem to be getting any less scary based on the news today. Yeah, crazy, crazy world. Right. Wow. All right. Well. I think we covered all the points I wanted to cover pretty well. Uh, okay. Do you have any final thoughts about uh, AI, robotics, that kind of thing? Uh, no, no. I think we pretty much covered covered everything with my dystopian rant this morning. But <laughs> but uh, you know, one thing we did not touch on is the disruption coming to fintech. That was the only thing we didn't really talk about, and. Um, in that in that note, I would say that it's going to be another thing to think about where we no longer have physical cash, but only digital currency, so and Bitcoin? that should be a yeah. Well, and Bitcoin is one thing people refer to, or Ethereum, or Ripple, or Monero, or any of the other cryptocurrencies. But but big banks are now the major investors, largely in Ethereum. So like JP Morgan, Chase, um, and a lot of the other financial institutions. So they're adopting blockchain and they're adopting the, the, the concept of digital payments. So it, I wouldn't, and we have, for example, India going to a cashless society. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see an end of cash and which would ultimately lead to the maximum level of government control over the middle and lower class wow that's really interesting very cool all right uh yeah. before we go do you want to tell everyone how they can find you on social media and find out more about you and all that all that good stuff absolutely please follow me on twitter my handle is at brian d colwell c-o-l-w-e-l-l -L -L, and my website is BrianDcolwell.com. easy enough <laughs> all right thank well, you th Thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, have a great day. Let me know uh, if you have any other questions or thoughts. Oh, yeah, definitely. You're welcome back anytime. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. So thanks again, Brian. Always a pleasure to talk AI. And so, yeah, definitely go check out some of Brian's work. That's going to do it for this episode. So once again, we are Phoenix Surveillance. 
You can find out more about us at phoenixsurveillance.com. You'll find a portal there to all of our social media where you can join the conversation. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can do that at phxsurveillance at gmail.com. All right, so stay tuned for more episodes of the Phoenix Surveillance Podcast. But until then, stay safe out there. Thank you.